sirens of the sea. His hypnotic voice will entice your head to your pillow and put you in a deep sleep. You'll also love his bizarre bedtime stories and fun personality. I put a link to his Sleep With Me podcast in the episode notes so you can go and check them out. Alright, on to my usual tuck-in, and then on to tonight's special fade-out to fully tranquilize those pesky brain squirrels. Here is your tuck-in. If your lights are on, then go ahead and turn them off. have a mobile device, turn off the screen and set it aside while you continue to listen. Adjust your pillows just the way you like them. Adjust your covers and sheets just the way you like them. Go ahead and find a comfortable position. You can lie on your side. You can lie on your back. Or you can lie on your front. Whichever is the most comfortable position for you. Next, relax the muscles your legs. Relax the muscles in your arms. Relax the muscles in your shoulders. Allow your entire body to melt. your mind on one good thought from today. It may be something good that happened to you. It may be something good someone did for you. Or it may be something good you did for someone else. This will be the happy thought you'll focus on if you find your mind wandering during the fade out. Finally, allow your entire body to fully relax. Focus your mind on that one happy thought and for the next few seconds, set all your breathing rate to a pace that feels relaxing and comfortable for you. And then, I'll begin the fade out. 
about mythological creatures. The first poem is about Medusa. How did Medusa do her hair? The question fills me with despair. It must have caused her sore distress. That head of curling snakes to dress. Whenever after endless toil, she coaxed them all into a coil. The music of a passing band would cause each separate hair to stand on end and sway and writhe and spit. She couldn't do a thing with it. So concerned and quite aware of such disaster to her hair. What could she do but petrify all whom she met with a freezing eye? The next poem is about the siren. The siren may be said to be the chorus lady of the sea. Though mermaids think of her as kin instead of fishy tail and fin, two shapely feet rejoice the view with all that appertains thereto. When to these other charms we add a voice that drives the hearer mad, who will dispute her claim to be the chorus lady of the sea? The next poem about Cerberus. If perhaps you happen to go to Hades, do not fail to throw some meat to Cerberus at the gate. His anger to propitiate. Don't say good dog and hope thereby his three fierce heads to pacify. Although he tried to be polite and wag his tail with all his might, how shall one amiable tail against three angry heads prevail? The heads must win what puzzles me is why in Hades there should be a watchdog dis I should surmise the last place one should burglarize. The next poem is about the Sphinx. She was half lady 
and have cat. What is so wonderful in that? Half of our lady friends so say. The other half are cats today. In Egypt she made quite a stir. They carved huge images of her. Many heart riddles she did create. The flummoxed ones were then eight. When Oedipus were riddle solved, the minx, I mean the sphinx, dissolved. In tears, what is there when one thinks so wonderful about the sphinx? The next poem is about the satyr. The satyr lived in times remote, a shape half-human and half-goat, who, having all man's faults combined with a goat's nature unrefined, was not what you would call a bright example or a shining light. Far be it for me to condone the satyr's sins, yet I must own. I like to think there were a few young satyrs who to heaven flew. And when St. Peter saw them getting near, he quickly exclaimed, No goats in here. Although the gate slammed quickly too, somehow their human halves got through. Whereat the kindly saint relented, and that's how cherubs were. Invented. The next poem is about the chimera. You'd think a lion or a snake were quite enough one's nerves to shake. But in this classic beast we find a lion and a snake combined. And just as if that weren't enough, a goat thrown in to make it tough. Let the scientists mock this breed, this strange mix we do not need. Yet nature offers up this scary treat, a lion that walks on goaded feet. And if that won't turn you white and pale, a serpent slithers up from the tail. Behold, lion, goat, and snake combined. It's bizarre to all, and blows the mind. The next poem is about the phoenix. 
the phoenix was, as you might say, the burning question of his day. The more he burned, the more he grew, splendiferous in feathers new, and from his ashes rising bland did business at the same old stand. But though good people went about and talked, they could not put him out. A wondrous bird indeed, they say, never extinguished. He exists today. The next poem is about the griffin. As the creator looked around, some spare parts is what he found, half an eagle and a bear of extra lion legs to spare. So hating waste, he took some glue and made a griffin of the two. But when his handiwork he eyed, he frowned, and it was petrified, doomed for all time to represent impatience on a monument. Sometimes upon our path today, its living counterpart will stray, Columbia's eagle strutting in an awfully English lion's skin with glass and eye and swaggering gait behold the griffin up to date. The next poem is about the harpy. They certainly contrived to raise some strange ladies in the olden days. Either the type had not been fixed, or else zoology got quite mixed, stumping the minds of every man, females of the feathered clan. Be very aware, dare I say, there's still a human bird today. So watch the skies from every hill for feathery women dressed to kill. The next poem is about the centaur. The centaur led a double life, two natures in perpetual strife, the top half human brains to plan, the lower half horse with which it ran. For when the man half set his heart on taking dinner a la carte, the horse had one clear need 
from the fields a bag of feed. With furrowed brow is how it looked. The man preferred his food cooked. Agreeing on food was demented until fine oatmeal was invented. The next poem is about the Hydra. The Hydra, Hercules defied, its nine diminished heads must hide before the painful modern beast who has a thousand heads at least. See how in horrid view they rise with straining ears and bulging eyes while blinded by piercing rays the trembling victim tribute pays of song or measure, mime or jest to avoid the savage hydra's nest. If she plays not, the monster's whim, a quick attack will tear each limb. Even if charmed, he rules the air. All around should remain aware. Stay on the alert. Be ready to run. Because nine heads are better than one. next poem is about the hippogriff. Biologists are prone to sniff at hybrids like the hippogriff. In evolution's plan, they say, there is no place for such as they. A horse with wings could not have more then two legs, and this beast had four. An eagle up front composed the head. A beak with hooves is something to dread. It can screech, and it can neigh. So always fear this horse of prey. next poem is about the Minotaur. No book of monsters is complete without the Minotaur of Crete. With great panic you would be full when you hear this snorting bull. It stands upright with an agile hand because it also has the shape of man. Although it's comforting to know that Theseus slew him long ago, I hope you agree that we could do with having today a Theseus or two. next poem is about the gargoyle. The gargoyle 
often makes its perch on a cathedral or a church, where, mid-ecclesiastic style, it shows an early Gothic smile. And while the parson dignified spouts at his weary flock inside, the gargoyle from its lofty seat spouts at the people in the street. And like the parson seems to say to those beneath him, let us pray. I like the gargoyle best it plays so cheerfully on rainy days, while parsons, no one can deny, are awful dampers when they're dry. And the last poem is about the gin. To call a gin the only thing one needed was a magic ring. You rubbed the ring, and forth there came a monster born of smoke and flame, a thing of vapor, fume, and glare, ready to waft you anywhere. The magic gins of yesterday, the wand of science, now obey. You ring and low with rush and roar, the panting monsters at the door, a thing of vapor, fume, and glare, ready to take you anywhere. What's in a name? What choice between the giants, gin, and gasoline? This is the end of tonight's Fade Out episode. I hope you are deeply relaxed. If you'd like to listen to many more Fade Out episodes right now, then peek at the episode notes or visit sleepwhispers.com. Perhaps you are now ready to fall deeply asleep. If so, <laughs>